down payment on real term limits? Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the term limits movement for the week of April 19, 2021. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. A high-profile retirement announcement in the U.S. House and a shocking unanimous and bipartisan committee vote in Illinois last week put the spotlight on leadership term limits. Do they matter? Or maybe a better question is, do they matter enough? Let's ask Nick Tomalides, Executive Director of U.S. Term Limits. Hey, Nick. Let's rumble. (laughs) You probably heard the news that um, Representative Kevin Brady, 13-term legislator from Texas, is retiring from the U.S. House. And this is after he was, he is of the Ways and Means Committee, which is one of the most important and powerful committees in the U.S. House. What I find really interesting about it is the reasons why he gave for his retirement. What did he say? Well, he said that, um, I mean, among other things, because this isn't the only reason, but he said, as you may not know, because House Republicans limit committee leaders to six-year terms, I won't be able to chair the Ways and Means Committee in the next session when Republicans win back the majority. Did that factor into the decision? Yeah, some. (laughs) So term limits played a role in the retirement of this long-term powerful congressman. What do you think? I'm going to translate that Washington speak into English. Okay. I was offered a very lucrative job with a lobbying company. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) No. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I just I'm just kidding, folks. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. That never happens, as we know. Our our congressmen are always on the up and up in this country. But um, this is interesting, and it does get at the heart of uh, the matter on these committee term limits because we talk about whether they're effective. We talk about the impact, and he said it's it's a major reason why he's retiring. So not only do these committee term limits help when a member just gets off the committee, stays in Congress, and then a newbie, or not a newbie, but someone with a fresh perspective can come in on that committee. But it also gets more congressmen to retire because they don't want to be in Congress when they don't have real power. They're just kind of sitting around like houseplants uh, when they're not chairing these committees. Yeah, And I I was looking at some numbers. The last wave you had of these, uh, these chairmanship retirements about 40% of the chairman, Republican chairs, because the Democrats don't term limit anybody, about 40% of the Republican chairs who were term limited off their committees retired from Congress. That's, That's a good right. start. That's in 2020, prior to the 2020 elections. That's right. I mean, that really, that's a down payment on the kind of rotation in office that we want to see from the entire body. So it matters. Um, it provides an opportunity for other members to have their opportunity to have some power in the Congress, because otherwise those seats would be held by the same people pretty much forever. Committee chair term limits are like the great value brand term limits. It's, it's a <laughs> knockoff of what we're really trying to do. It's not That's the right. name brand. The name brand is the constitutional amendment that we're trying to enact. This is a knockoff. It's great value. It's what you what you order or what you get on Wish when you order from them. But it, it's still somewhat effective at achieving uh, what we're trying to do. And it's a great case study for how term limits can work, even when they're not applied that severely. That's right. You know, the Republicans are the only ones that impose House term limits on the committees in the House. 
But it also is a teaching moment for the Democrats who currently don't. Um, there's a lot of Democrats, young ones in particular, who look at what the Republicans are doing and like it. You know, I, I remember that uh, former Democratic caucus chair John Larson, Democrat from Connecticut, he argued that a number of people would say Republicans have struck a better formula for advancement. And advancement's the key, the key word there. Because when you enter the House, you're so far away from the levers of power. It's the committee chairs that really have that power. Well, okay, so you play the game and you get to a position where you have that power. Well, when you have rotation in office, rotation in these uh, positions, in these committees, you have an opportunity to do that. But without that rotation, you'll never get there. And young Democrats in the House recognize that, and they really want to see some movement and leadership to give themselves a day in the sun. Yeah, and it hasn't just been John Larson. There have been many others who have, uh, on the Democratic side, to their credit, who have complained about the lack of uh, term limits in that caucus. Uh, I think um, Seth Moulton might have been one of them. That's right, he was. Um, you know, yeah, I've heard, I've heard a lot of rumblings about that. And uh, it, it really is fascinating, and it shines a light on um, the existence of a, a Congress member who is not a committee chairman or a ranking member on a committee. <laughs> what are you really doing there? Nothing. Uh, you just you're just kind of sitting around. You know, you're doing television interviews. You have a title. You do get to meet with your constituents, but you don't have real power unless you're part of this seniority system. And obviously, that mobility, that upward mobility in Congress, is based not on who's the most qualified huh. for different roles, but it's on who's got the most gray hairs, who's got the right. most uh, years under their belt, which and is just a terrible system if you're looking for progress and, and a, a functional sure. system. All the power is in the committees, is in the committee chairs in particular. And I mean, there's been studies that show that the committee chairs are much more effective. I'm looking at a, a study from the Legislative Effectiveness Project here that suggests that committee chairs that have been uh, committee chair for a certain number of years have uh, about six times as much likelihood as being able to advance a bill than someone on a committee that has been there for less than that period of time. So it's a big, big difference. There are a lot of studies out there that come from Brookings and some of these other stupid Washington think tanks <laughs> that judge your effectiveness based on um, how many bills you're able to advance. Right. I don't uh, buy that. No, I don't buy that at all. You know, the, the hallmark of effectiveness is not necessarily dumping a pile of thousands of new laws onto the American people, you know, making life even more ridiculous here. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes it's the ability to stop a bad law from being enacted. And if, you, if, and if you don't have a committee chairmanship, you can't even do that. You're powerless to stop a lot of these bad laws from coming down the pike. That's right. Hi, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. We ask candidates for Congress to sign a pledge that will help us get a term limits amendment added to the U.S. Constitution. The pledge reads, I pledge that as a member of the U.S. Congress, I will co-sponsor and vote for the U.S. term limits amendment of three House terms and two Senate terms and no longer limit. Every two years when a new session of Congress starts, the term limits amendment must be introduced again. The current resolution is Ralph Norman's HJR 12 in the U.S. House. This week, Three additional co-sponsors were added, Jared Golden of Maine, Jody Arrington of Texas, and Mark Green of Tennessee, bringing our total to 65 co-sponsors and sponsors in the U.S. House. At the same point last cycle, we only had 36 co-sponsors. The Senate resolution is SJR 3, introduced by Senator Cruz. 
Senator Bill Haggerty of Tennessee co-sponsored this week, which brings our total to 14 co-sponsors in the Senate. At this point last cycle, we only had 12. We are making significant progress. You can help by contacting your representative and asking them to sign the pledge and to co-sponsor HJR 12 or SJR 3. For more ways to help, search U.S. Term Limits on Facebook and like and follow our national page and the page for your state. This is a public service announcement. The North Carolina State House passed the Term Limits Convention Resolution on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. Crucial to this victory was North Carolina House Speaker Tim Moore, who helped push the bill through his chamber. But Moore isn't done yet. After the vote, Moore is still talking up the bill as it makes its way through the North Carolina Senate. If the North Carolina Senate follows the House's lead, North Carolina will be the fifth state to officially call for the tournament's convention. Here is Speaker Moore on Newsmax on April 2nd, as captured by the Newsmax Daily Podcast with Wildman Rob Carson. Let's go to uh, Grant Stitchfield's show. He spoke to uh, House Speaker of North Carolina, Tim Moore, about the possibility of convention of states because of overreaching federal government. Conservatives have been talking about this since the campaign, since Joe Biden won the election. Here he is. My biggest fear about something like this is, all right, we get the convention and then you get the radical left coming in and offering up all kinds of wild amendments. Well, this particular uh, resolution that we passed, that so many other states have passed, is very narrowly drafted so that the only issue that can be taken up at, at that convention would be, in fact, term limits. It's time for the states to fight back against dictatorial rule, and that's what's happening with 56 executive orders and a capital surrounded by thousands of uh, National Guard troops and razor ribbon. You know, and it's no, no accident that states are having to take the lead on this because it's actually one of the few priorities that were in the contract for America from 1994 that were not ultimately decided. So we are being ruled against our will. Very proud of the fact that our state House of Representatives passed this uh, a couple of weeks ago. It now is over in the state Senate. And what it would do, of course, if the 34 states joined in would be to call for the Constitutional Convention for the only purpose of establishing term limits, and I firmly believe that is something that we need in Congress. I agree with that completely. Here's a little bit more, uh, Tim Moore, uh, about term limits. we got big problems without term limits, don't we? You know, we really do right now, and, and you can just look and see the encroachment that the federal government is attempting to do right now with this, and you've covered this very well, with just how far they're looking to go on House Resolution 1 to yep. essentially try to, to hijack the states when it comes to administering uh, the elections. Many of the other things that, that the federal government's doing, just printing money and uh, uh, spending debt that our children and grandchildren will be paying. And I think many Americans have decided enough is enough. The time is right. We are at our wit's end. For a lot of reforms. And one of those. And our patience. Uh, is certainly term limits. And so uh, this resolution passed uh, by a majority in our state house. Uh, it's now in the Senate. And, and my hope is, is that 34 states total will pass this resolution. We can have this constitutional convention, and it will also give a, give a chance for the states to assert some authority. It's time to do that. The Democratic leadership is so much older than the Republican leadership in the House because the Republican leadership retire when they basically term out of their positions on committees. Democrats don't. I think the last time we looked at that, we found the average tenure 
average life tenure in Congress of a Democrat who had a gavel on one of the most powerful committees like Ways and Means was around 25 years. That's right. Now, there's interesting news uh, down from the states on the subject, too. Um, in fact, it's, uh, it's just a committee vote, but it's pretty significant when you hear about where it occurred and why. But in the state of Illinois, of all places, there was a committee vote held last week, unanimous and bipartisan, calling for term limits on the major leadership positions in the Illinois House. At this point, I would trust a term limits bill coming out of uh, North Korea or Uganda <laughs> or Cuba more than I would Illinois after the Michael Madigan 37-year uh, reign of terror as the speaker there. Right. Um, but, you know, it's a good start, oh, it, obviously. It is. Um, I mean, this is a state that has totally shut down calls for term limits, which have been noisier than just about any other state because the, the level of corruption has been so high. The number of people in top positions, including the former House Speaker, Michael Madigan, who is now likely to go to prison, or certainly his Confederates are going to, um, for this massive corruption scandal after he's had that position for 37 years. And so the fact that a term limits bill could make any advancement there, and particularly on a, on a bipartisan, <laughs> unanimous basis, it's newsworthy, at least to me. It is. And the limit they're suggesting is 10 years, right? Well, that's correct. It's 10 years, but it's on the House uh, Speaker, the Senate President, and the two minority leaders in each chamber. So it's basically the top dogs. Again, it's a start. I, I will say this. Florida, which is the most well-run state in the country, is a leader in fiscal health, has a limit on the Speaker of only two years, and that seems to work pretty well. So I think even 10 is, is too long. Um, but it's a step in the right direction. That's right. It's notable, really, because of the place, um, being Illinois, because this is a place where the, the people are clamoring for this, and the environment is so ripe for it, so we shouldn't let this opportunity get by. And when they have to do it, they, they need to do it in such a way that the speaker himself does not have discretion to simply erase the limit at the end of the 10-year period. That's what we saw in Massachusetts, where mm -hmm. uh, the speaker, Bob DeLeo, um, many years ago, imposed a term limit on himself. And then once he hit the limit, legally, he was able to say, I don't feel like leaving. <laughs> he <laughs> right, just stuck right, around right. for another six years or whatever. So you got to make sure that doesn't happen here. No, that's right. Well, this legislation is still being formed. It just passed its first committee, and uh, we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, I thought it was noteworthy bringing up, particularly in the discussion of leadership uh, tournaments. Glenn Jacobs, the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, may still be best known as the professional wrestler Kane, his alter ego with the WWE since the mid-1990s. But he's making a mark in his new role as mayor since the libertarian-leaning Republican won his first election in 2018. While the Tennessee state legislature is considering the tournament's convention resolution, Mayor Jacobs weighed in at a crucial time with an op-ed in the Knox News calling for its passage. Nick Tombalides spoke with the mayor on Friday. Mayor Jacobs, you have a brand new op-ed in the Knoxville Sentinel calling for congressional term limits, talking about the role that Tennessee plays in that process. Tell us, why do you believe in term limits? Why is the issue important to you? Well, when we consider the intent of the founders when they established the federal government and Congress, it was to have citizen legislators. And those are people that would still be part of their community and represent folks at the federal level. I 
think that we can all agree at this point that has been completely lost. And there are way too many career politicians in Washington, D.C. So anything that we can do to really burst the D.C. bubble, I mean, if you've ever been to D.C., it almost feels like there's this bubble that surrounds the place and uh, they're inside it and we're all on the outside. And it's actually kind of an eerie feeling to be there. Um, So the issue is, uh, I think a lot of times folks get there and, you know, they want to do some good stuff and then they kind of get frustrated and then they get comfortable. And then next thing you know, um, they're just there. And, you know, we really need to give other people an opportunity to serve in Congress. And when we look at things like the incumbency victory rate, um, you know, some folks will say that that, uh, elections are term limits. And certainly there's an argument being made there. But the way the system currently works with all the money involved, uh, it's virtually impossible for anyone to unseat an incumbent. It very rarely happens. Uh, So I just think that that's something that could really change Congress and the overall complexion of how the federal government functions, and uh, it would be very good for the country. Yeah, you mentioned it's a, it's a bubble. Some people call it a swamp. Normally, when, when people are running for office, they'll call it a swamp. And I think Ronald Reagan said once they get there, they realize it's more like a hot tub and they get comfortable <laughs> exactly. and they don't want to leave. Um, so I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, so in Tennessee, the resolution for the term limits convention, it just passed the state house, House Joint Resolution 8. It still mm-hmm. needs to get through the state Senate. As a supporter of this, are you planning to barnstorm a little bit around Tennessee to help get this done? Are you going to get involved? I know it's the state legislature, but right. you have a pretty good pulpit there as the mayor of Knox County. Right, yeah. Um, and then, of course, I had the op-ed and anything else that I can do uh, to help the effort. Um, you know, when I look at term limits and I look at like people that have signed the U.S. term limits pledge, it's people like my own congressman, Tim Burchett, um, Rand Paul, Thomas Massey, Ted Cruz, it's all the people that I look at. And, you know, if they think it's a good idea, it's probably a really good idea. Um, and I think that, you know, here in Tennessee, our General Assembly through the years has done a very good job. Tennessee is a great place to live, to work, to raise a family. We're one of the most business-friendly states in the country. Uh, We're seeing people move here from other parts of the country. Um, So certainly I think uh, with the Senate that it has a very good chance of passing. Uh, And kudos to the House for doing what they've already done. Yeah, you guys have a citizen legislature there. It's like I tell people, I I live in Florida, and if I'm mad at my state representative, I can grab him by the shoulder at the grocery store and say, hey, what the hell are you doing? You can't really do that right. with members of Congress who are, you know, thousand miles away out in this bubble, you know, so term limits is a good way to hold them accountable. Right. The vision of the founding fathers of the framers, yes. right? You know, they didn't intend for there to be a permanent political class in Washington. Right. They wanted people from all walks of life to go in there, serve for a short time, and then basically just come home and, and live under the laws that they made. You know, they wanted people who would change government before it changes them. Do right. you get the sense that you're doing exactly. that in Knox County? That's what, that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, we're very fortunate in Knox County. We have term limits for the mayor. I can serve two terms, and that well, actually we have term limits for all our elected officials here. I can serve two terms, and that's it. Um, we also, um, you know, our community is conservative, somewhat libertarian community, so we're already skeptical of big government here uh, in East Tennessee. You know, and as someone uh, who takes a libertarian view of things as well, I think part of the problem is. Just overall, there's too many people out there that believe government's the solution to all of our problems, you know, and it's it's civil society that has the solutions and generally government gets in the way. But when people think government's the answer, they're going to give government more power. And people like me, 
you know, we want to take power away from away from yeah. Um, what, and that's that's wrapped up in this whole this whole debate. Well, what I love about the position that you ran for and got elected to is that you can have sort of an immediate impact as the chief executive of the county, not just because of term limits, but just the nature of the position. But yes. when you're thinking about people who run for Congress, you know, maybe who are civically minded, who want to fight the swamp, the choice that they're faced with is, do I really want to leave behind my career for 30 sure. years, go to Washington, um, you know, get on a committee and then climb this ladder? And by the time they actually get some influence up there, they basically become cogs in a in a machine because of the seniority system. So yeah. do, you think, do you think term limits would help dismantle that seniority system in D.C.? I do, um, because as you said, you know, the, the real power in Congress lies in your committee assignments. And you know, there's more issues there, too, because your committee assignments depend on how much money you raise for your political party. Um, so that's an issue as well. But nevertheless, yes, what happens is people that are there for a long period of time, and the reason they stay there is because they have the political acumen to stay there. Running for office does not necessarily require the same skill set as good governing does. You know, those are sometimes <laughs> two different things. And the people that keep on winning over and over win because they have good political skills, not because they have good governing skills. So the longer that they remain there, you can see that, you know, just overall government starts to degrade because just just it becomes a self-perpetuating cycle. Um, so, yes, I do believe that, you know, if you can get more turnover by having the people that have all the power get termed out, limited out, that would open up the ability for other people to get in and bring in fresh ideas. Let me ask you this. You mentioned Knox County adopted term limits, which you are subject to. Have you seen the benefits of that in terms of opening up new seats and at least like getting some new blood in there, allowing for new people to run for office? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think it's been very good for our community um, because it also uh, provides like someone like me, I have, I have a sense of urgency. Anything I want to get done, I have a set period of time that I have to do it. Um, you know, so it, it, it actually impels me to work harder on some of the things that I want to get done. But yes, uh, because of our term limits, we've seen a lot of turnover on county commission. Uh, we've seen younger people get on the county commission, which is, I think is is a good thing as well. So yes, I think overall it's been extremely beneficial for Knox County. That's awesome. Can we do a quick little lightning round, a little bit of a word association? <laughs> sure. If you don't mind? All right. Sure. Nancy, Nancy Pelosi. Oh God! <laughs> I have a lot of words, none of them good. <laughs> Can you say um, any of those words on a podcast, on a family-friendly podcast? I, I think that Nancy Pelosi is the epitome of why we need term limits. Washington lobbyists. Washington lobbyists—they um, are the bottom feeders in the swamp. The Undertaker. <laughs> the Undertaker is way too cool to be. Mentioned in the same lightning round as Nancy Pelosi, trust me. So. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Um, what's next for you? I know uh, Knox County has another mayor election in, in 2022. Will you be uh, running for re-election? I am running for re-election. Um, it's been just the honor of my lifetime to serve as Knox County mayor. I think that here in Knox County, our future is extremely bright and our best years really are ahead of us. And I just want to be a part of all that. Mayor Jacobs, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. What else is going on this week, Nick? Down at, what about down in the States? I saw that there was a, uh, not a vote, but a hearings held in Maine on their 
Tournament's Convention Resolution Bill. And, um, you know, I don't know where that's going to go in Maine right now, but there was a superstar politician in Maine who just came out for tournaments this last week in a very big way. Yeah, that would be Congressman Jared Golden, who is a Democrat representing Maine's second congressional district. Um, He announced basically out of nowhere uh, Mm -hmm. that he supports term limits for Congress, and he got on the U.S. Term Limits Amendment, H.J.R. 12. Mm. Uh, It is now a bipartisan bill with his support. There are two other Democrats who've also signed the USTL pledge, uh, Ann Kirkpatrick from Arizona and Lori Mm -hmm. Trahan from Massachusetts. It's a Mm -hmm. testament to the power of the issue. Golden is in not only one of the largest congressional districts in the country, but uh, geographically, but Mm -hmm. also one of the most competitive districts. And so I'm sure that he and his team have been taking the temperature of the voters as of late, and they have sensed that there is an appetite for term limits. And uh, that's a big part of the reason why they got on board. Do you think that... um... Uh, that that move might have some effect on the main state legislators that are considering the tournaments convention bill? I mean, do you think it can trickle down that way? I hope so. The main legislature has a weird rule where a convention bill has to pass with a two-thirds majority. That makes it Ooh. extra hard. So we have two priorities in Maine. Uh, get that rule repealed, and then number two, get a vote and pass. It's been the Democratic Party that's historically in Maine has blocked the term limits convention Maybe Jared Golden's embracing of this uh, could open that door and, and get us some more Democratic support in the state house. It mm. remains to be seen, um, but again, it, it's a very positive development. Well, we'll see. Thank you, Jared, for that bold move last week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. The term limits convention bills are moving through the state legislatures. This could be a breakthrough year for the term limits movement. To check on the status of the Tournaments Convention Resolution in your state, go to tournaments.com slash takeaction. There, you will see if it has been introduced and where it stands in the committee process on its way to the floor vote. If there's action to take, you'll see a Take Action button by your state. Click it. This will give you the opportunity to send a message to the most relevant legislators, urging them to support the legislation. They have to know you're watching. That's tournaments.com slash takeaction. If your state has already passed the term limits convention resolution or the bill's not been introduced in your state, you can still help. Please consider making a contribution to U.S. term limits. It is our aim to hit the reset button on the U.S. Congress, and you can help. Go to termlimits.com slash donate. Termlimits.com slash donate. Thanks. We'll be back next week. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. U.S.T.L.